This is episode 31 of Spokes with director and editor Ryan Gerard. You're listening to the Red Bicycle Media Spokes Podcast, a show about the experiences of a film production house and the people they work with in the film industry, with your host, James Pizarro. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Spokes. It's producer Christian, and I hope all of you are having a great week so far. And we have another awesome guest for you on deck. I think everyone can agree that moving is hard. Um, it's strange that we're talking about moving, but moving as a filmmaker is even more difficult. Uh, the stress of trying to find connections, trying to find different jobs, uh, different ways of bringing in income, especially when you're moving the whole family uh, from a completely different state, whether it's from here in Cleveland to Texas, to Atlanta, Georgia, New York, California, any of those places. Heck, even uh, Vancouver, you know, moving to a different country. Always difficult trying to find those connections. You know there's a lot of work there, but finding those connections, unless you're a part of the union, may be a little bit difficult. And this is where today's guest comes in. Uh, not only did he have to deal with all that, but he also had to find work through a pandemic. And, of course, had to deal with one of the worst snowstorms the state of Texas has ever seen. Of course, that happened last month. And hopefully everyone in Texas, if you're listening to this, hopefully you guys are better now. Hopefully you guys are okay. I know you guys had to go through a lot. No power, no water. Um, again, we prayed for you. We had our thoughts with you guys. And hopefully everything's uh, better at this point. Uh, so he talks about how he made connections in his new home as well as working through the pandemic, as many of our guests have done, and making the shift from directing to editing and how his interest shaped his film skills. And interest talking about... Uh, music, he loves music and he loves cars and he talks about how those interests have shaped him as a filmmaker. So without further ado, here is director and editor Ryan Gerard. Well, Ryan, first of all, welcome uh, to the show and I appreciate you coming on. And uh, I know you've uh, gone through a bit of challenge down in in Austin. So uh, can you tell me what you've been up to and, uh, and how the market is different from uh, Northeast Ohio? Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, for, thanks for having me on. Um, it's good to talk to you again. It's been a, been a little while, but yeah, uh, it, it was a, we were just talking about a little bit, kind of a wild week last week where we had, it felt very much like Cleveland. Um, you mentioned how the markets were different, like weather-wise it was, our power was out and it was freezing and there was a bunch of ice and snow, but um, yeah, we're, we're back and the sun's out and it's nice again, but uh uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, the, the market is, it's interesting because prior to moving here, like I really didn't have, I had, we, we knew people here, but I had zero connections to, or like a kind of a finger on what the industry was like down here. Like I didn't know, I knew it was bigger than, than Cleveland, but you know, compared to like LA or uh, New York or even like Atlanta, something like that, like, um, I was kind of, I, I didn't know what to, what to expect, but in, in being here for um, a year and a half and mind you, like, you know, it's been a little different with COVID, but it's, um, it's, it's similar in some ways. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, you know, we have a ton of tech companies down here. So the same way that like, I think Cleveland has a lot of more industrial manufacturing stuff. There's a lot of tech heavy digital type of work um, for all the different startups and you've got Dell and Google and Facebook and all those types of companies. So you're doing 
that sort of same approach of, you know, the more kind of corporate longer form kind of pieces. But then there is like a lot of agencies between uh, Austin and Dallas and Houston and all around. So you do have, you have, you have a lot more commercial work than you would in Cleveland. But then as far as narrative goes, there's actually like, there's a lot, there's a lot of, um, with it being Austin music town, there's a ton of music videos always going on. Um, and there's a decent amount of, of narrative, uh, as well. Um, like a lot of short films I, I see, uh, happening a lot, but then, um, they'll split up. I, I don't know how often they'll do like full, uh, like runs of movies here, but I know that they shoot like a lot of, it's kind of similar to Cleveland where it's like your second union or you're only here for part of the days or whatever. But, um, I, I, I haven't, I'm not as versed or like as knowledgeable in, in that, in the narrative side, um, of what that really looks like. But th- I mean, there's a, I'm a part of like different Facebook groups or Instagram pages and stuff that are all like kind of film Austin support groups or whatever. And, um, it seems like there's always stuff happening. There's always people asking for help with their crew or, uh, you know, talent, stuff like that. So, uh, there is definitely a, a great pool of, um, like acting talent here, uh, just in, from what I've seen from others work. And then also just in like the commercial side. Um, and I, that's not to say, like Cleveland doesn't have that. I just don't think it's as, um, just as developed, uh, or not as many people involved. Like there, there's some really, really super talented actors in, in Cleveland, but I just don't know if there's the resources to, to grow that to, um, maybe, yeah, what it's like here or like, like bigger, bigger markets. But, um, that's just, that's kind of what I've noticed, uh, so far. Um, so it's, again, it's been, a, it's, it's been hard to gauge uh, because of COVID, like, I don't know if my barometer, like my, my view of it all is, is as, as clear as maybe what it was prior to that. But I mean, it's still, there's still a lot of work going on, which I think is, is promising that if we're able to stay afloat and stay busy during a pandemic, then, you know, fingers crossed, we can keep it going once things kind of open back up. Yeah. I think there's been a lot of reinvention that you, you almost had to, um, explore other avenues of, 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 um, creativity. And to that end, then when you, when you first moved down there, what was your, uh, did, were you drawn because there was a job there or were you drawn, uh, because, Hey, this is a great location. I'll worry about finding connections and how to plug in. Yeah. I mean, it was very much like a shotgun decision. Like we, my wife and I, we got married in 2017 and we knew, we love, we love Cleveland to death. Like our, you know, our core group of friends are there, our families, both from Canton, which is like an hour South. So we have a lot of ties there. And, um, but we just knew it wasn't going to be like our, like we weren't going to like settle there. Like we didn't really want to buy a house there. And, um, we, we would definitely, uh, prefer to have been in like a warmer client climate. Um, you know, and specifically, for like what I do just or what we do like it's uh you know my wife is a graphic designer like she can kind of work wherever whenever and I've been editing more so I can do that as well but just to have the ability to shoot like exteriors year-round and being uh to a uh you know a, a bigger market getting on like bigger commercial work and and whatever um 
I, that's kind of what drew us here. We we were looking at LA, we were looking at New York, but we had some friends that lived here and um, had visited a handful of times and just really loved it, loved what it had to offer. And yeah, I mean, it was it was not a super well thought out like plan. It was it. It wasn't like I, my wife and I talk about it. Like we kind of did the same thing when we got a dog, like we really wanted a dog, but the place that we lived at didn't allow it. So we, uh, got one and then talked to my landlord and he was like thinking that he would like, you know, budge and be like, Oh sure. We can let you have it. But he's like, Nope, like you're not, you're not going to have a dog here. And so we got on Craigslist and 10 minutes later, we found a house that was available like two streets over and moved into a place that allowed us to have a dog. And it was like, like, he's awesome. Like he's crazy, but he's one of the best things that like happened in our life. And it's sort of the same thing that, um, happened with Austin was that we, we knew we wanted change. We knew we wanted something more. And once we got down here, my, my, uh, my wife had like some connections and she had some things sort of lined up, but it was nothing stable enough to like really, you know, be like, for us to pull the trigger it was just kind of blind faith that once we got down here we were going to be forced to find something whether that was you know me getting a job at starbucks not that there's anything wrong with that working there but like you know like it was we'd find we'd find a way to make it work one way or the other and uh, i think it, it 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 forced me to step out of like a comfort zone to I mean, I was on my computer in every coffee shop for months um, and would probably still be doing that now if it, that, that did pay off. But I was just, you know, emailing everyone and calling everybody and trying to meet people. And I found, like, the majority of my connections, honestly, like on Instagram, just, like, being a total creep and looking up hashtags of, like, you know, Austin filmmaking, whatever, and finding... DPs that I would see their posts that would have producers tag that would have agencies or, you know what I mean? Finding like, it was a lot easier to navigate through that than it would have been to just like kind of Google search or like even LinkedIn. Cause it's like, it's not, I feel like so much of our industry that exists on that front, but it's not where you, I think can, it's not as like, it's so much more formal in that way where I just would message people on Instagram and be like, Hey, like I'm new to town. Can I buy you a coffee? Can I buy you a beer? And like the amount of people that were like, yeah, like that it wasn't, you know, it didn't even phase them that this weird Midwestern guy was trying to like buy them a drink of something. But they, uh, the, that stuff, that's one thing I would say here is that it's, it's a very open, welcoming, uh, community in regards to the like the the film industry which was crucial for me because I I needed that and um and yeah it it paid off like I think that time kind of planting those seeds uh had had we moved I think a few months later I would have been in a much different position because you know we moved in August of 19 and then the COVID hit in like March and I didn't get like my work like in Austin until like May or or sometime around then. So it took a long time and um, I had jobs lined up prior to that, but they were all 
canceled due, due to COVID. But, um, but yeah, I think ha- having that time to just really network the, you know, that the heck out of the area and uh, meet as many people as I did early on kind of saved, saved us so that it's, it's a lot harder to, I think, network and get to know people through zoom or just online you know there's like all the connections that i made that uh you know developed some kind of working relationship all stemmed from like meeting in person and like spending time and not just like talking shop but getting to know them as people and stuff and it 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 really it helped um a lot i think that gets overlooked on how important it is to to obviously um, connect on that level, because if you don't, you end up kind of not uh, not knowing that this might be a long term uh, work relationship. If you don't, if you don't know that, then I, I think we overlook it and say, "Oh, they're awesome people. They create great work." But I don't know how they are in in person. So, was your first was right. your first job uh, um, in person, or did you do a remote gig? Um. So I it was it was kind of both um so in pretty like my career i've always directed and and edited and uh, moving down here i was pretty much like pursuing directing but like you know editing my stuff when it made sense and still i still like wanted to be able to collaborate with um editors but with the pandemic it kind of put me the shoots just weren't happening as frequently as they, as they were. And there was still a need for content. Like, as you know, like, like people still needed spots and they still needed like content. So, um, it kind of put me in a position to put what was always at the like forefront of like directing kind of on the back burner and just take all the, whatever work I could, which really for the most part of this last year was all, um, editing. But I was also doing kind of like helping out on set, uh, whether it was doing DIT stuff or just like I I became friends uh, with a director down here named Brandon, who uh, we we knew we wanted to work together. And again, it was one of those things to where like when the right project came along, well, finally, like it did. That was in May and that was an editing job. But I was also on set kind of like it was, it was really nice to be able to like have that direct line of communication with it, your editor and your director on set. Cause you know, I could like look at everything we were getting and kind of like man, like figure out what we need more of, what we need, uh, you know, less of. And we could also have that collaboration that exists like in the edit bay, but like live on set and then being able to pull stuff in and look at it and, you know, add any kind of treatment stuff to it. Um, so that was, that's, that was my first, that was my first gig was an edit. It was editing, but I was on set for three days, I think. Um, and then, yeah, everything else, uh, after that, I had two more directing jobs that came through in the summer and both were, uh, canceled. One was canceled the day before we were supposed to shoot because our DP got COVID and we found a replacement. Um, and then it kind of, it just like, it gave the, uh, the client cold feet. Like they just kind of freaked everybody out because it was whenever cases were starting to surge again. So, uh, it kind of, you know, derailed that. And it was, uh, it was a bummer, but again, like it allowed me to just sort of like, uh, 
shift more into this editing role, which I've like loved. It's it's been, I think, impactful on like both fronts of. It's obviously made me become. I'm editing way more than I used to, so I feel like I'm, you know, growing my skills as an editor more, but also too like I'm constantly kind of learning and and looking at these projects and taking pieces that I can apply to. Like I just won the, a, a bid for a, a my direct a directing job that'll take place in in March. So it's like taking everything that I've been doing in the editing bay for the last seven months or however long it's been going on, and then um, putting it in onto set. You know, and be like really when you have terabytes and terabytes of footage that you're going through, you realize you know what you really didn't need and what you probably needed more of. So I think that's something that I've been able to sort of refocus of like, I always kind of approach things really intentionally, but now it's, I think it's just even, uh, you know, on a, on a whole different scale because I've had these time to work on these different projects with these different directors and, and, you know, navigate through the, the tons and tons of footage and uh, get a different perspective. Um, and I'm sure you may have, uh, have heard of Frame.io's new upgrade, um, which I find like incredibly fascinating that you're able to actually, you know, through the encoder, <clears throat> send, you know, basically what's coming from the camera directly to an editor, uh, which could be anywhere, which is good for everybody, correct? And uh, I've always thought, have an editor on set, you not only... Um, find out what um what you're you're getting but more importantly what you didn't get and say hey we we really didn't cover that well i i suggest going through another take and while we have everybody there and that could really save you in the back end how many times have you tried to patch something up on the back end and you go man it would have just taken five more minutes to get like two more shots uh, and then you end up and that's why i think the value of having an on-site editor um, as you know, DITs are, are on, on set, not data mm-hmm. wranglers, but actual DITs who can do live grades. But I think having on-set editors uh, probably makes sense. So do you see um, that that going in a direction of of uh, adding to your skill set of not only directing, but also being able to edit, if not in person, but remotely and offer that as a service? Yeah, I think so. Because, you know, it's like you said, I think it just – it allows for not only like a more efficient like workflow but i think it's just i mean look i think we we love what we this field at least like i i you know it's it's such a collaborative like it's a a team sport and i think when you can allow that to happen more often and allow you know more ideas to be brought to the table um like in the moment as opposed to like in, in hindsight i think it's just going to make the work uh better so I, I i would i would definitely be open to to doing it more um you know if the if the uh, client's budgets allow it uh but i i, I do think there is there is added value um n- not just from the efficiency but yeah i think just the overall quality to having that sort of streamline uh process like happening live in the time that um, you weren't working or editing or doing whatnot, and fortunately you have been keeping busy, was there a way you were trying to stay connected or creative? Were you, you know, I've I've watched more content than um, I probably should admit to over over the past year, but you know I've also enjoyed seeing other things. Were there, were you doing a bit of that? Were you 
um, taking courses, um, you know, online or, or what? Um, were there ways that you were just staying busy? Yeah, I mean, you know, I it's interesting because I feel like I reached a point where I was like really, I kind of like, I don't know, like I, I identified myself with like my career or like my role for a long time of like my, I felt like my purpose was to, you know, be a storyteller to some capacity and to, and to whether it was movies or whatever, like, and although I still, you know, it's, it's, that's still very much a part of me. I think it's really easy to get burned out when you just invest so much of yourself into uh, your work and things, you know, maybe don't turn out exactly the way you want it, or uh, there's things out of your control that I think over time it can kind of just change your outlook. And I, I, I honestly think I kind of went through that around the time that like, I mean, it, it happened, it was like a slow process, but the, the sort of tipping point I think happened around uh, like when the pandemic started and I kept looking around and yeah, seeing like a ton of people like taking advantage of the time to, uh, you know, go to the drawing board and, and figure out their next script or their next idea or project or passion project. And like, it was definitely a great time to, to do that. But for me, it was sort of a time to just completely separate myself from it and to keep myself busy. Like I, was doing almost everything like but like industry related stuff but I think it now like I'm at the point where um like it definitely it's it's worth having that time to just do life as opposed to do you know like work life sort of stuff like we you know so much so much so many people in this industry like are very passionate and love like filmmaking and 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 storytelling and um it's it's hard to like I feel like when you just immerse yourself so much into that you forget that those like films and stuff you love are just sort of this is like probably way too pretentious and deep but they're just a re- you know they're a reflection of life I think when you don't when you go too long like b- being focused so much on the art and so much on you know the craft that you for you when you go to tell a story you 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 forgot like what people are like and what you know situations are like and and um i think it's important to kind of yeah get away from it for a little while so i got i my wife and i uh there's a ton of like like we love to camp and hike and uh uh traveled around like in around like colorado area and did some backpacking and um i also got i've always had a fascination but have been very uh uninformed with when it comes to like automotive uh like the automotive world and um so i've been slowly like immersing myself more to that and uh learning how like the 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 engineering side of you know what makes cars do what they do like i had a very surface level knowledge of that and i think there's a lot of similarities between like you know what cars and the automotive world bring and what the film industry brings in that like you're combining like art you're combining these like beautiful designs meshed with a very technical uh kind of engineering side of stuff like you know how you look with uh with like the film industry it's like you know the 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 technology behind uh how you're capturing it how you're manipulating it all those things i think the same 
is like there, I think there's a lot of reasons why I'm kind of been uh, more into that. But again, in turn, it's it's now having that time. I've I'm ready to finally, uh, hopefully, get back into doing more like creative narrative uh, projects. But it, it definitely, I would love to do something more like automotive focused. It's always been. Uh, one of my goals like as far as like commercial directing and stuff but even from the narrative side like I would just absolutely love to do something that was involving or based around uh, cars so did you uh, watch Ford versus oh yeah yeah I loved it that was that was a yeah that was a fun movie It, it kind of embodied a lot of things the story was not just about cars but really the people behind them and really interesting characters and but you know, you, I think you, you you have a point, and we get so um, kind of engrossed, um, and this distortion of reality occurs where you think, you know, everything you see has to uh, revolve around film, and I think the balance is a good thing. That you know, I'm sure it seems like it's helped you probably even become more creative. Um, and to that end, then, do you do you feel that um, that I've always been impressed with people who get to that top ten percent, I think, or five percent. Because a lot of us, um, when they get to a certain point, you you achieve a certain amount of um, of uh, skill, and you know you're supposed if you're if you're a DP, you, you know how to you know hopefully you know how to frame a shot. You understand the technical aspects of it, um, and a gaffer or or even a director. Um, but how do you how do you then stay in the game where you go? Are, are are directors who are only in that top five percent or top or dps in that type top five percent getting to work or is that even the way to be um I, what are you trying to do to to get to that uh quote-unquote highest level or tip of the spear work hey, to me i think for the longest time it was my goal was to get to that you know i wanted to be a I wanted to direct movies and I still, I still do. I think I'm still figuring out what I will be like, I guess what will keep me happy, uh, doing it like in this, in this field and, and, and pursuing that, that goal. Um, and I, I think it's just for me, like to, to, whether it's that top 5% or temper or whatever, like to feel like I'm, you know, pushing myself and doing like everything I possibly can to be the best I possibly can at what I do. Um, I think it's just a lot of it is the same thing of what I like brought me to Austin to to begin with. It's just um, like taking a step, like just doing it. Uh, And uh, for, yeah, I think for me, like I, if I have any expectation to, get to the next level specifically like with narrative stuff like I have to make more narrative work I have to get uh you know I I can't I can't expect that somebody is going to ask me to be a part of something because I made a bunch of commercials or corporate because they're they're very I, I I think I I learned that lesson in a very big way where I did a short film a few years ago and it was a incredible experience but like I just realized how much even though they utilize the same like tools and people and everything there I don't know if you could be more different than the 
you know, the narrative filmmaking world and the, and the commercial, they're just, it's like, um, I would explain it to people. Like, I felt like I thought I was ready. Like if you look at it, like, I don't know, like, bo- like body built, like I thought I was like, like ready to go. And I had my muscles like all like, you know, jacked up, but really I just had like, you know, like Arnold Schwarzenegger's legs, but like my arms, like I, I, I wasn't working out like enough of the things that I needed to, I think, to be at a place to tackle like something. But the only way that you do that is by just going out and, and doing it. So I think, yeah, I, in order for me to continue to, to get to that next level, it's just about, I think, putting yourself out there and making yourself feel vulnerable and making something that, um, you know, you can be like proud of, even if it's not what exactly you want it to be. And I think that's what I learned in that too. Like it was, it was hard to deal with that process of making a short film that I really poured everything I had in and and our crews did too. And I felt like it didn't turn out the way I I want. And and I feel, I mean, it's a hundred percent like on me, I just don't think I was, uh, I, I, I had to do, I had to make that and not be super pumped about it to then I think make something that I can feel a lot better about and I also not just enjoy um, you know the end product but like the the process I, I, I was so fixated on like making this thing uh, perfect like in the end and not really you know like enjoying the ride as as much as I think I, I should because I just was wanted to get to the finish line and wanted to make this and wanted everybody to see it and so yeah, when you when you put yourself out there and you make these things that whether or not they're what you wanted, you're you're gonna you're gonna be, get better. Like it's just it's going to happen. Um, but I think it's how you take that after the fact and apply it next um, is what makes people get to that five percent. They don't. I think for me, I let it impact me more than it should for a long time. Like I was kind of it pushed me away of it kind of made me scared to like tackle another project because it's uh it's a it's a hard feeling to feel like you know you've let uh I don't know you've let some piece of yourself down like you you, to to not let something become what you felt like it could um it can it can hurt when you're really thinking about it all the time you're pouring you know again like yeah your your heart and soul into it but um you just got to kind of get over it because at the end of the day, it's just, you know, it's one piece that is, uh, not going to break you. And you, it took me a long time to like actually just admit that, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it, I think it's just about getting yourself out there and making stuff and not really worrying about, the what it what what it turns out to to be um and and being okay with that i'm sorry like i'm rambling on and on about uh that but i yeah i think it's there's a lot of different kind of stages to to how you get to that next that next level well i think when you get stung you 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 feel like oh my gosh i got beat down and it was uh maybe a little bit of a letdown or embarrassment to yourself you go man I, i i was just punching above my weight and it was, it was, it was a lot tougher than I thought it would be. Um, but obviously getting back on, that's that age old paradox where, you know, how do you convince, convince somebody that 
you can direct or you can DP or you can gaff without doing it. And right. that goes back to a thing I'll touch upon in a little bit is is your reel and and how that how one should go about that. But also, um, you know, why should people hire you? And do you do passion projects to, you know, you'd love to do a car commercial. I It's pretty tough to direct your first car commercial if you have nothing, if you don't have it on your reel. You know, it, it really right. is. I, and mm-hmm. there's got to be that jump. What What is your general approach to saying, well, all right, I'd love to do car commercials. So how how would you uh, approach that? And how would you want people to be to be seen in that lens that, hey, you know, Ryan does great car commercials. He does a little spec thing that at least you're able to show. You know, what can you bring to the table? Yeah, I mean, uh, it kind of started, I was um, like, lucky and grateful enough to be uh like i worked um at think in cleveland for four years and we had an opportunity to where um a project came along that i was able to kind of pitch like it it had to do with the automotive market but it wasn't it was all focused on a product and not about like cars really at, at all um it was just like seeing the product on the pieces of the cars like separately and it, I found it to be like a great opportunity to, um, like try to at least pitch, like, you know, at least just put something out there and be like, here's an idea. Like, I think it would be great. We can still do that other thing you want to do, but like, here's a way that we can really kind of cut through like the, the noise of this, um, you know, uh, industry that you're in and make something that I think resonates with the people that you want to buy this and so it allowed me the uh opportunity to work with like a russian arm and block out uh like you know scenes and 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 learn that communication that exists between like the driver and the crane op and the uh you know the the chase uh vehicle like all those types of things um so that was like one way to just sort of create an opportunity out of something that really like wasn't there. But like for me now, uh, I don't think that the, that one or two projects that I've done that incorporate automotive is enough to get me in the door to, to do more of that. Cause like you said, it's a very, it's a very niche, uh, type of, uh, path. And there's a very few people that do it really well, but I, I look at it like I'm not trying to just do um, automotive pieces or, or, you know, automotive like spots. But I think what is always fascinating me about them is like even growing up, I mentioned earlier, like I I always liked cars, but I was never like a gearhead and I will never be one. But I I love um, specifically like I remember as a kid with car commercials, there was just like this sort of like pacing and like this rhythm to how they like there's just the the soundscape that comes with like an engine and the wheels on pavement and like you know all it's just very uh like kinetic and i love that and i love how those pieces come together and to me it's like it's very like musical and so i still think there's a way to apply that same um approach into not just like commercial work but like i would love to do something that's maybe more of like a uh like a doc like a mini kind of doc series about different 
like car cultures specifically because there's a lot of like if you've ever gone to like a cars like coffee and, or cars and coffee or whatever kind of meetups like there's the Miata people and there's the Beamer people and there's there's um, not only that of like specific type of cars but there's also like regional like types of uh, sort of uh, groups that all have a very uh, unique and f- uh, kind of fixated look on like a specific culture of, of cars like in Houston there's these cars that have these uh, humongous ridiculous rims that like stick out super far and it's not about the performance of all of the cards about like just creating this like over-the-top exaggerated uh thing that just so happens to have four wheels and can move but there's you know neons and like way too much bass that can like blow windows out like it's just like it's taking that and then looking at people that are you know diehard purist uh like uh porsche drivers and like there's there's something to me that's really fascinating about learning what compels somebody to that's like their thing you know i i love learning that about like different people and like listening and and figuring out i think that's what's great about what we do is we do have an opportunity to get to know and talk to so many different people that do so many different things um and so i look to something like that and it's a way to me for me to do automotive stuff but still let it be more you know character driven more story driven that just so happens to be encompassed in this mechanical kind of rhythmic uh, world. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I'm like working on now is developing a, like a treatment sort of outline of what that can look like, especially now during a pandemic. But I, I, I really do think that there's something to, there's a way to do that. Um, in a creative way that can just feel different and, and be something that whether or not you know anything about cars or like cars, you can still get something from, and it can make you feel something i couldn't agree more i think uh first of all there will always be an interest in cars there's just that uh sect of people and more importantly again the stories behind the people own them and uh, you know which i find you know far 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 more compelling sometimes than the actual cars themselves you know it's just yeah I mean, the stories behind them is, is what makes it neat it's almost like those commercials where they uh the owners resemble their uh, their pets. It's I, I think you can mm-hmm. say that about cars too. You know who the Miata drivers are or, or whatnot. It's, it's yeah, kind of, it's kind of funny. Um, For sure. So to direct to direct uh, you back at the um, to circle back on what we talked about earlier about a reel. Um, you know everything to say. Well, you know your reel represents you, and I've seen some just you know reels that say, well, why am I even doing this anymore? You know, and that the, the these guys' work is so good. How curated do we have to be in, in what we release? And do you believe that less is more as far as getting content out on a reel? Um, so, like, are you asking, uh, like, yeah, how much how much are we including in it? Or, like, how often we have to, like, or... I guess what I'm asking is, A, do you believe a reel... How, how important is a reel in getting you hired? Uh, because... Obviously, people check that out when they're potentially going to hire you. And number two, what what do you feel needs to be included in your reel? And um, you know, as far as even length or or content, 
you know, is it, do you have a, a particular way of your or approach that you use in, in you know, in, in getting a reel out? Yeah, I think so. One of the things that I learned in moving to like Austin is like, like a reel is important to, I think, I think it's more valuable to like the person creating it than it is to, um, you know, like potential clients or agencies. Cause like, honestly, no, like here and, um, like I, so I, I'm rep by a company called synthetic. They're based, well, they have an office here, but then they're based in LA and, and, um, they, they will send stuff out to, uh, you know, to bid on work and they do not like they're a reel to them is like four to five full pieces of work that I've done. Like nobody really, and the agencies or at least in the commercial world really looks at reels in, in the way that we, you and I, you know, that we know them. It's more of like, they want to see the full, they want to make sure, you know, cause you're not making a, a real for them. They want to see like how you can actually make the thing from start to finish and how it looks when it's, when it's done. So I think it's, it's important to, it's a nice sort of like elevator pitch to get your, maybe like to get people to like notice you a little bit, especially if you have the work that shows that you've, you know, been able to accomplish certain like scales of jobs or certain types of clients, or, you know, if you're trying to pursue, uh, like food related work, like you should have, a, you know, a lot of food in, in it. But yeah, I think ultimately, like what I was saying earlier, I think like at least when I made mine, I did it more so as a way for me to like, um, like just kind of figure out what my style, like I knew I had it like a, like a lot of my stuff I felt like kind of looked or felt similar, but to, to be able to sort of encompass that in a cohesive 90 second like little highlight reel um i think just helped me uh understand the type of work i wanted to pursue um so i think it's it's definitely self-fulfilling and and enlightening in that way to it can help you realize okay like this is how all my stuff sort of like plays together and like what does that mean for the next project and the, and the one after that. But, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say there is, uh, like as necessary as like, I don't think people should feel like they have to, to make one. I think if you can, it's great, but I think, you know, um, generally it takes a little while to, I think, accumulate enough stuff that can speak to, like, if you're a director, um, to, to do that or, you know, really any, like if you're a cinematographer or editor, like whatever, I think you need to build up a, a little arsenal to, to, uh, to work with. Um, yeah, I look at it almost like a job app. I mean, um, it's kind of a, a, a thing you got to fill out the damn application. And if you fulfill like, okay, they fit this degree, that, and that qualification at least gets you in the door and starts a conversation. Once you get the conversation, yeah. nobody cares about your reel. Um, and I think, that that's just kind of part of it, um, right? Could I pivot to what you you'd mentioned in your bio that you're interested in how music uh, connects you to your filmmaking? Can you uh, elaborate a bit on that and what you meant by that? Yeah, I mean, I think that kind of 
what I even touched on a little earlier, like about the, like what compelled me with, um, like the automotive commercial world. Um, I think what I, so I grew up like playing, uh, guitar and playing in bands and I was involved with that. Uh, and like a lot of like fine art stuff, like drawing and painting, like all throughout high school and college. And again, like just continue to play in bands like through college into like my mid like early 20s but I always like was interested and I think really engaged with uh like video and and films and stuff because I it it came it's it seemed like I I kind of like was able to pick it up a little um like faster than maybe I thought, but I think that stemmed from like music. I think there's so much that is uh, based on rhythm, like and pacing. I mean, that's it's literally everything. So when it comes to like how I, you know, f- focus my or music into my my work, I think it just has to do with like knowing your peaks and valleys, knowing like like you can be really good at writing like a guitar hook, like a little riff, um, the same way that you can be really good at like shooting, uh, really pretty people on a, on a beach or whatever, but like, it's not going to like tell a complete story. You know, you need to be able to make the verse and the course. And again, like not just from the different pieces, but like how those pieces breathe and how they, uh, you know, help set up the next, the breakdown or whatever, not to like go too far into this music analogy, but I think it's, they they align so much together um and they're really really crucial i think to understanding and and i say this like fully like i don't know the anything more about directing or anything than the next guy or girl or whatever but like i do think that um at least from what i've seen what we've seen and stuff that feels good and and looks awesome is is it's all about like your timing and it's all about your, you know, your rhythm and your cadence and not just like from, I don't just mean timing from when you're cutting or not, but like, uh, how you're moving your camera, how you're blocking your scenes, how your dialogue is written. Like it's all, they're all like kind of instruments in a way. So like you really have to like treat it that way. You have to treat it like an, like an orchestra, like everything kind of plays together and, you um you can't really uh take any piece of that for granted like you have to like know that you're carrying this whole thing together and it has to be melodic or else it's just going to be like a muddy weird like noise core fest which is nothing wrong with noise core but like it's you know it's it's not as um appeasing to the the ears or in this case like the eyes so um yeah i think i think if you if you can if you have a music background or if you have any kind of like, not even like playing music, but just like a appreciation and understanding, I think you're, you're generally going to be at least a step ahead when it comes to filmmaking or storytelling. Well, I've always found it interesting from the um, soundtrack side of it is that, uh, you know, the visuals get you there, but it's the, it's the music or the, um, the, the score that, you know, raises hair on the back of your, uh, on your arms or in the back of your neck that that really brings you to that next level of appreciation that's why you know you tend to want to hear it at its best and i think that really 
all together. That's what drew me into filmmaking is that um, all those things melded together is pretty pretty special, especially when they know how to make it all hit at, at the same time. I mean, it's, it can be pretty cool. Um, well, great. Uh, how long have you been playing guitar? Um, since I, I think I was like 11 or 12. It was seventh grade, so yeah, one probably like twelve, um, and I took lessons for like a couple years, but then I just started. I met. What really helps is when you know somebody that's like way better than you, or like really good at guitar. And I met a, a yeah, yeah, and I just um, would jam with him, and he was the other guitarist in uh, in a band that I was in throughout high school and college and stuff, and. I think just doing that, like, um, really, I think if I was just f forced to, like, play by myself or just, like, you know, never played with other people or played out, I probably, I don't think I would still be playing. I feel like I would probably just reach a, like, a ceiling of being, like, I don't want to play, you know, like, whatever, like, Stairway to Heaven anymore. Or, like, whatever your, you know, whatever songs you learn when you first learn how to play guitar, like, it really yeah, elevates itself. Yeah, yeah. It really elevates it. Oh, go ahead. No, no, I agree. I think the parallel between um, that, the skill in filmmaking and actually playing an instrument where you hit these plateaus and you go, man, I'm playing the same thing all the time. Yeah. Because you're comfortable with it and you kind of play it halfway and you never finish it because you're just kind of, you know, it needs some shaking up once in a while, which is really cool. I noticed you um, have a couple guitars. So you, you play as well? Or how long have you been playing? I do. I've been playing a long time. These are, yeah, they just happened. I forgot that uh, these are two strats, um, yeah. American strats, and, and that's a telly, right? Back there? Yeah, it's a, it's a uh, 69. It's all, it's got all the oh. original hardware and it looks re really beat up, but it, it plays no, like a dream. It, yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. No, um, yeah, I've been playing a while and it, it's, uh, it's, it's obvious. If for me, it's been a big part of, uh, of just keeping that side of the the brain creative and um oftentimes that's why it's in in our in our studio here and um yeah it's it's funny i have uh songwriters that rotate down through here and they'll, they'll be up all hours of night tracking uh either the vocals or guitar and it's it i i love that that's another another aspect of what we do and um, getting to interact with um just a different kind of viewpoint on being creative and you know what they put into to put in that four minutes three minutes of, of a song it's not unlike what we're doing and their right. attention to every detail they sweat everything is is pretty cool and mm -hmm. you know I, I i certainly admire it um so what i you know i'll ask this kind of almost in closing is is what where you've come uh you've come this far in your career and there's obviously um a, a quite a journey ahead and what you want to do where do you see yourself um you know, evolving to uh, more editing, more directing, and obviously one has to kind of feed the other. You know, we can't be so choosy on what right. we, we end up doing. We wear a lot of hats. You know, I mean, um, you know, uh, that's just we're, it, it, the answer. Sometimes the short answer is where the work is. But where would you like to see yourself in the in the next coming years? Yeah, I mean, as much as I've loved editing, I'm definitely like I'm excited to do this um, this shoot in in March, and I, I would definitely love to get more involved with directing because it's it's really I I just really love being a part of a project from you know start to to finish, and 
to like sort of working with the 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 different crews and the different uh levels of of the project be it uh you know from the actual like filmmakings or you know the the crew side to also like even talking and working with like the agency like getting that whole collaboration is really what what drew me in so like i i want to um i would love to definitely get back more into directing and yeah to to do like i i'm really ready to i think pursue more of that narrative like uh like passion project stuff or just like uh yeah more narrative based uh projects whether it's uh music videos or shorts or you know ideally it would be awesome to do some kind of like serial type of worker you know series um whatever that looks like but i i would i would really enjoy um being able to step more in that direction and it's i think even if i were to really uh you know focus more on that and pursue that i still i love like i really love commercials i love like being forced to um, like giving yourself boundaries and, and, and only giving yourself, whether it's 30 seconds or 60 seconds, or, you know, a lot of the online stuff is like 90, whatever it is. But I think giving yourself those guardrails, it just, it allows, um, I don't know, it allows you to just kind of go with your instinct more and like make a decision as opposed to like having an entire like sandbox to, to play in. So I, 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 I would, and it's just nice to like jump in a project and jump out as opposed to like when you think about these like series and stuff, it's like a year of your life or, you know, a very long investment. So to have something that you can, you know, make a little money, have a little fun and make something that's you're, you're, you're proud of is always nice to like fall back on uh, throughout that. But yeah, I, I would say ideally it would be to, to direct more, but um yeah, it would, be, it, would, it would be hard if, if the right editing opportunity came along for the same sort of thing, like narrative, it would be hard to, I think, turn it down because it's like what we talked about earlier. I, I don't think there's like a wrong, like, or like a bad project to, to do. Like, I think you're, oh, even if it's like, you know, not the most glamorous piece or whatever, it's, um, it's absolutely better than, than no project at all. And you're only going to learn from it and, and be better and meet new people and, you know, continue to kind of build that team around you. So. No, I, and I also think it's important that, um, I think all editor, all, all camera ops or people who are in the camera department should spend time editing. I mean, you realize how important it is not only for coverage and it's creativity and, and whatnot. So I really encourage people who um, I work with and work with us longitudinally to say, hey, spend some time in the edit bay first and, and then you'll at least, you'll you'll see what it is like to pull your hair out and go, you know, why didn't they cover that way or why is that out of focus or what were they thinking compositionally? So I, I definitely think to be on that other side, uh, you just become more sensitive and if not, uh, just a, a more accomplished shooter. And I, I, I find that's, that's just critical. Um, listen I, I first of all is there is there anything you're working on that you'd like to promote or you know uh, where where can we end up finding you if uh, somebody wants to hire for their next um, um, uh, feature their next Marvel feature where can, where can they find you <laughs> yeah I mean it's just uh, it's my name it's well with the middle initial because without it was already taken but it's just Ryan F as in Frank Gerard.com so 
um, that's where all my work is, or I'm on like Instagram, Ryan F. Gerard as well. Um, but what was the other, the other part of the question was what, what, oh, Any, what am I, like oh, anything I'm working on. Um, yeah, yeah uh, I, uh, throughout the pandemic, I was working on, uh, a, a project. It's like a short, short documentary about, uh, pediatric cancer, but m- mainly in, uh, just the way that funds are, it's just a very awful, like the way that, um, pediatric, pediatric cancer, as opposed to all the different other various types of cancers, the, the, the way that funds are allocated, it's just, um, it couldn't be more skewed. And so that, uh, that project is, is coming out in, uh, within, I think the matter of weeks, everything's done with it. I think it's just once they release it, but that's called switching the summit. It just tells a story, um, about, uh, this guy that every year he climbs, he does like a different mountain climb and like raises money and awareness, uh, to, uh, more so awareness about like, uh, the ways that pediatric pediatric cancer is, is funded, um, and the lack thereof. So, uh, it was definitely a hard one to, to, to work on, but it was, I don't think there's a lot of, um, opportunities. I mean, I mean, there, there are, but at least like in the commercial world where you feel, you know, like you're doing, like you're making a a difference in a way or like, you know, doing something that you can feel good about as a, like a human and not just like a creative. Um, so that was, that was, that wasn't, that was a, an important, um, project, uh, to me that I, I'm, I'm ex- I'm excited for people to see it. I'm I'm happy with uh, without it turned out. Um, and that was really the what what's what's started a lot of like the editing work was that was I think the first job that was in like April or May that I started that and we just are now wrapping it. But there's a lot of different there's a lot of animation and stuff involved with it that I got to to play around with. So um, yeah, that that'll be the next thing that's coming. And then I'm doing a bunch of commercial editing uh right now and then yeah the the one the shoot in march is for uh duracell so that will be out uh, i don't know sometime in probably april or may whenever they are using it for whatever they're using it for yeah, that's awesome so uh hey ryan thanks for coming on i really appreciate it and uh i wish you the best yeah thank you i appreciate it too thanks And there you have it. That was Ryan Gerard on today's episode of Spokes. We hope you enjoyed this one, especially if you plan to move soon and want to find connections in your new locale. I hope you learned something from this episode. And if you did, don't hesitate to share in the review section or on social media. Tag us at Red Bicycle Media and use the hashtag RBM Spokes. And make sure to tag Ryan there as well. Uh, of course, his Instagram is Ryan, R-Y-A-N-F as in Frank, Gerard, G-I-R-A-R-D. I want to make sure that was right. Let me make sure. Yes, G-I-R-A-R-D. So make sure to tag him. He'd love to hear from you. And that does it for today. Uh, Thank you for spending your time with us. And we'll talk to you next time.